Okay, if you would, please turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. I'll be reading Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Blessed is the reading of God's holy word through his apostle Paul. Father, this morning, We thank You for this letter. We thank You for the gift of slowly working through it. We thank You for the gift of Tychicus who delivered it and ultimately to us. Oh Father, may we never forget the lessons, the sentences, the propositions, that we have heard unfolded throughout this letter. May you work these glorious things continually in the lives of the members of this church to the glory of your holy name. Amen. So here we are. We come to the close of the letter of Paul called to the Ephesians. This is the 61st sermon through this epistle that we began in February of 2016. Paul has finished the body of the letter, what he's wanted to say. And now he has a few closing comments and a benediction. And so let's pick up there in verse 21. So that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful servant, minister in the Lord, he will tell you everything. Paul just said, And knowing Paul, he meant that Tychicus was a beloved brother. Say that differently. This dear friend, this dear Christian brother whom I love very much, I'm sending to you. 
So it must not have been easy for Paul to send him from Rome almost a thousand miles into Asia Minor, which is like 197,000 miles today in the travel. But he's doing it. He is sending him off with the three letters that he, Paul, had just written. Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. So who is this guy? Who, who is this Tychicus, who, who I think all of us should hope to model our lives after, according to what we have here in this text, because he is a beloved, a loved, treasured brother in Christ to the Apostle Paul. He is called by Paul a faithful servant. Trustworthy. He's a trustworthy Christian man in the Lord Jesus. And he was that for numbers of years to Paul. So let's look at that first. This guy, Tychicus, is mentioned by name five times in the New Testament. Here in Ephesians, also in Colossians, he's mentioned by Luke in the book of Acts, he's mentioned again and later on by Paul in his letter to Titus and in his second epistle to Timothy. He comes on the scene through Luke first. You remember when Paul was in Ephesus a second time and then he, he was there for three years. And for two years he rented the school of Tyrannus and he's teaching daily in Ephesus, which is the major hub city of what was known as Asia Minor. And after that stint of three years... Luke lets us know, okay, riots are about ready to happen again. And so Paul finally leaves Ephesus. He's going to go over to Macedonia and then up to Greece, etc. So he lets us know that. And then this is the next thing that Luke tells us in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 4. Paul, now he's gone from Ephesus, and he says, Sopater the Berean, okay, that's his name, Sopater. He's from the city of Berea where Paul has evangelized, working with Paul. He says, Sopater the Berean, who is the son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him. That is, Paul. So, they've left. And then he says this, about six other guys. He's going to talk about these six other guys who didn't accompany, but, but they went over to Tros in order to wait for Luke and Paul and Sopater to come to them in trust. He says this, And of the Thessalonians, okay, from the city of Thessalonica, of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and then there was also Gaius of Derby, that's a city in the region of Galatia, and Timothy, who's also from one of those towns in Galatia. And then, he says this, And the Asians, that's Asia Minor, Ephesus, Colossae, all that area. The Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us, Luke says, 
Petros. So we try to piece together from that and from where he's mentioned elsewhere in Paul's letters. It goes something like this. Tychicus was most likely converted under Paul's ministry in Asia Minor. And he was a long time in the city of Ephesus, which is, again, the hub. And as the narrative of Acts from there starts to unfold, we see that he, Tychicus, and Luke, and others were with Paul. They were with his missionary gang on the third missionary journey. Tychicus was one of those men who was entrusted with and had the responsibility of taking the huge collection of money that Paul had been collecting over a period of a couple years throughout the Roman Empire, through his churches, in order to bring all of that offering and money to the city of Jerusalem. And they made it to Jerusalem. Tychicus was there. I don't know if he's there at the moment, but he's in the city. He may have been there. may not have been there. He can maybe be in the tent of the Gentile section of the temple. But he was there when Paul was about beaten to death in the temple and then arrested. And it appears, because where he ends up, that most likely then, Tychicus was with Paul over those next couple years as Paul was incarcerated first in Jerusalem, and then over by the sea in Caesarea, most likely serving Paul, serving needs. Friends could feed prisoners, etc. And so he's there in Caesarea. He's there when Paul gives a defense before Felix, and then before King Agrippa. And then, eventually, of course, Paul and Luke, we know, and most likely Tychicus, and who, who knows who else of Paul's buddies, they are there with him as the Roman centurion had the charge to escort Paul all the way to Rome. A lot of that on the ship. They got shipwrecked, etc. So he's, he's there through all of that and eventually arrives in Rome where Paul will be tried in front of Caesar. And so... When we read, when Paul talks about a lot of his experiences as a missionary, Paul's not a missionary alone. He's always got a band of, of brothers with him and traveling with him and some preachers and servants going on. So when we read, when Paul talks about some of his experiences, some of those had to also have included Tychicus there. For instance, when Paul writes... Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. We know Tychicus was shipwrecked with him once. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, the Jews, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false Christians in toil, Hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Tychicus was there for numbers of those things. And so here we are. Tychicus is with Paul in his rented room, 
in the city of Rome, always being guarded by a Roman soldier in chains. And Paul has finished dictating the letter. And then he says to whoever's writing it, could be Tychicus, give me the pen. Give me the pen. And he writes, so that you also may know how I am and what I, Paul, am doing here in Rome. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, he will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose because I can trust him. Oh, that was me. That you may know how we are and that he, Tychicus, may encourage your hearts there in the churches of Asia Minor. So Paul is sending him back to Asia Minor in order to deliver these three letters. Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. Maybe another letter to the Laodiceans that no one knows where that one's at. Possible. He didn't go alone. You never travel alone. There's robbers everywhere. You travel. You've got to have money to travel. You don't do that. He has these three New Testament books in hand. And he's got others with him. And we know one man he's got with him. His name is Onesimus. He was converted under Paul's ministry after he was a runaway slave from a man named Philemon who lives in Asia Minor in Colossae. Paul writes a letter to Onesimus' slave master. And Tychicus, I have to believe, is going to be key, along with that letter, in bearing Paul's heart to Philemon about not punishing his slave, Onesimus, but instead receive him as a dear brother in Jesus Christ. And so, Tychicus... Onesimus and others, they go to deliver the book of Ephesians to the churches of Asia. Now just briefly for a moment, after that happened, evidently Paul got out of prison, was freed. And within a, just a couple years, he was back in prison in Rome, he never got out. He was killed. During that second imprisonment in Rome, he wrote a letter to a pastor, Titus. He's on the island of Crete. And in that letter, he writes, because Paul's not sure yet, as he writes, I'm either going to send to you Artemis or Tychicus. One of those two is going to take that letter to Titus on Crete. And not only that, he's sending them so that they can relieve Titus and Titus can come to Paul. And they will be kind of running the show over there on Crete. And then one more time, this is what Paul writes close to his death, his second letter to Timothy. 
In chapter 4 he writes, Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. Because Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Demacia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, Timothy, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Tros. Also the books and above all the parchments. So again, a couple of years later, Tychicus is still this servant of Paul. So Paul sends this dear brother with these letters and with the responsibility to speak house to house, churches, meetings throughout the different cities of Asia Minor. Who knows, he can go on for hours filling them in on his beloved Paul. How's his soul? What's going on with his court case? How are things going there in Rome? So that you may also know how I'm doing. I'm sending my beloved, faithful Tychicus. And so we have this letter of Ephesians. Because Tychicus was faithful. He was trustworthy. He got it there. He did his job. He was a Jesus-loving servant. Deeply loved by Paul. So this morning as we we close this series of sermons on the book of Ephesians, what I want to do is recount what we have seen that is in this Whether he wrote it on parchment or papyrus, I don't know. But this letter that he's going to deliver, here Tychicus has it, it's going to Asia Minor. What is in that thing? And this, in a nutshell, is what we have seen. That Paul, in not a real long letter, fairly short, gave a large overview of redemptive history. Beginning before creation. From God's saving purposes of election, before He ever created anything, all the way to His summing up all things in Christ. The victor on behalf of the redeemed humanity, consisting of Jews and non-Jews. And we have seen throughout the last year and a half, how relevant this letter is for today. We have seen that if you read this letter carefully and take it seriously, it is a direct attack on the shallow, superficial kind of Christianity that abides in much of present-day American evangelicalism. 
On numerous occasions in this letter, Paul has painted a stark contrast between a truly converted person's former manner of living their life from their new way of living their life in Christ. He loves that term. In Christ. That's Paul's term for what we call a Christian. It's in Christ. And we have seen in this letter of Paul's that if a person is in Christ, then you are not alone. He has no concept of that. If you're in Christ, You are fitted together with other persons into the body of Christ here on earth. Not merely mystically, but physically and in location. So those persons who are of that new, historically speaking, very new, weird, 20th century, 21st century idea of a Christian being separated from the local church. Separated from being committed to Jesus' body and expressing care and love for one another and faithful commitment to the life, the organism of Christ's family. For those people... This letter was meant to scare them into actually walking with Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, we have seen that Paul gives a series of images describing the community of Christ. He uses the word church. He calls them the assembly. He calls us Christ's body. He refers to them as the temple in whom God dwells. As the bride of Christ. As the family. The doctrine of the church has been highly emphasized in what we have seen in Ephesians over the last year and a half. And it is a huge challenge to the Lone Ranger Christian. It is a threat to the uncommitted, unaccountable, self-centered, narcissistic, modern person who calls himself or herself a Christian. Now, this is how I chose to close this series. I want to take, it's fairly brief, a flyover of the whole book of Ephesians. It will take 27 minutes to read the book. I'm not doing that in about eight minutes by paraphrasing what we have seen from beginning to end in the last year and a half in this book. 
So I don't care if you close your eyes, look at me, or however you do it. But I want to say it this way, to the extent that this paraphrase is a faithful recounting, in other words, saying in my own words the flow and the connections as Paul makes them, I want to say that the Holy Spirit right now minister to you. To the extent this is faithful, hear the Word of the Lord. Apostle Paul writes, most likely to many churches in Asia, just get this letter out. Dear believers, understand the foundation and the purpose and the source of your salvation. You have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What I mean is this. God the Father chose you to be predestined to be saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the way that you know that you're one of them is because you believe this glorious Gospel and you have embraced Jesus as your Savior. And the reason you did that was because of the work that is the sealing work of the Holy Spirit Himself. All of this has been planned and carried out by the one true God who is a holy trinity. And He's done it in order that the praise of the glory of His grace would permeate humanity through the church. And so I... Paul, I pray that the eyes of your affections for Christ may continue to be opened as you contemplate what I am writing to you in this letter about the future hope that the Father has absolutely secured for you and called you to through His Son, Jesus Christ, by the work of the Holy Spirit. This unimaginable future glory is secured by the resurrection of the man, Jesus Christ. He is seated right now at the right hand of God as victor over all of our enemies. Right now and throughout eternity future. This very Jesus is the head of the body. The leader. The king of the church. Oh, dear believers, just think about your own experience of you realizing your call to salvation. You Gentiles were dead in your trespasses and sins. You had zero inclination to love and to enjoy the one true God. 
Instead, you were worshipers of your own sinful, darkened desires. You were carried away by your cultures, by the prince of the power of the air in its God-belittling ways of life. In fact, we all were born into this world as guilty sinners, bound for cosmic judicial punishment by the one holy God. We were all born as children of wrath. But something happened to us. But God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. God made us alive. Get it? By grace. By grace you have been saved. And and He raised us up with Him. And He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know why? So that in the coming ages, upon ages, upon ages, He may show the immeasurable Riches of His grace in kindness toward us who are in Christ Jesus. Do you see it? You non-Jews have been purchased to be part of God's people through the cross of Jesus. Jew and Gentile are made one new people in Jesus Christ. And there's a reason God does nothing willy-nilly. He is always purposeful. In church, His reason is this. So that His eternal Wisdom will be known in the revealing of Himself through Jesus Christ in redeeming a people. But not merely that. That reality will be known through the corporate gathering of the church on earth made up of Jews and Gentiles. One new man. One body of Christ. And therefore I pray. I pray that each of you may have strength to grasp this. 
strength to understand and to comprehend with all the Christians what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. In other words, that you, you may intimately, personally, relationally know the love of Christ. That kind of experience even surpasses head knowledge. I want that for you and I pray that for you because in that experience you will be being filled with all the fullness of God. And so based upon God's sovereign mercy in saving you and fitting you together in your churches, therefore make sure that you live your lives in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. In other words, live them with all humility and gentleness and patience bearing with one another in love, being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, there is only one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all of you believers. And also, to your churches there in Asia Minor, the resurrected, ascended Jesus has given gifts. Leadership teaching gifts to the churches in order to equip the whole body, each member, so that they will do the work of ministry. Particularly the ministry of maturing one another doctrinally and morally and ethically so that we will no longer be gullible like childish spiritual children easily deceived by Christian teachers and leaders who seem to be anointed but instead shun the cunning craftiness of their deceitful religious schemes and instead realize what Christ your Savior is doing and that is this as we go about in the body speaking the truth to one another in love we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head that is into Christ and it is from Christ that the whole body joined and held together 
by each and every member of it, by each and every joint with which it is equipped, when each person is working properly, then it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And each of you put away living and acting like unbelievers. But be renewed in the spirit of your minds and walk humbly before each other in forgiving each other. Walk in kindness, in building up one another because Christ forgave you. Christ loves you. And sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among Christians. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives in the same way that Jesus loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Dads, Don't provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Slaves, employees, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, just as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. And finally, church, be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the strength of His might. And here's how you do it. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And finally, please, please pray for me, Paul. Pray that words would be given to me in the opening of my mouth so I can proclaim it boldly, the Gospel of Christ. I beg you to pray that I have courage before Caesar that I may declare it in the way I ought to.
And now that leads Paul to his spot-on benediction. Peace be to the brothers. And love be to the brothers with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul says, from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, something comes from them to us who believe. To us who are the members of His body. And what comes is peace and love between Christians. Because it springs out of... Just leave it. Leave it. It springs out of our faith. It is faith in Him and what Paul has presented here that causes Spafford to write the hymn we sang this morning. And those sea billows meant the death I forget, three or four girls, children of His in the ocean. And so he says, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, peace! It's been a theme of Ephesians between one another, walk in it. And love for one another. It springs from your trust in this glorious gospel. And grace. For by grace, have you been saved? Through faith. In all of that, grace and the faith, it's not your doing. It is a gift of God. So that there will be no place for any human boasting whatsoever. Even in the saved brother over the unsaved sibling. Grace upon grace be lavished upon everybody who loves the Lord Jesus A religion, a baptism, a profession of belief that is not coming from the Spirit. Crying out, Abba, Daddy, or the way he puts it here, that is not coming 
from this incorruptible, supernatural love for Jesus. That is not a saving faith. Grace be with everybody. Who loves the Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not merely that you have sent him, but because of him and through him and from your eternal purposes, you called us to believe. And thus you have made him our treasure. You have made him the object of our eternal delight. Oh, and what do we have in all creation in heaven and earth that surpasses the gift of your eternal Son? Becoming a human being to live where Adam fell, to do that living in perfect human righteousness on our behalf. And to go willingly to a torture chamber, the cross, to bear your wrath against all whom you have given to him. You were good. And we thank you for this precious letter that your servant Paul by the Spirit penned in that room in Rome while he was incarcerated to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.